There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the Stoke from the first half of the season to Stoke in the second half of the season. It's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. Justin, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. I'm not going to mention anything about the weather. Don't worry about that. It's just a, a usual casual recording that has nothing to do with the outside at all. Yeah, we'll, we'll crack on as usual. That's good to hear because I've had enough of you talking about how nice it is outside all the time. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's a bit of a different show this week. We're joined by, basically, this is the Mount Rushmore of championship expertise. We've got myself and Justin Peach, but also joined by YouTubers Benjamin Bloom and Ben HD. Gentlemen, how are you both? I'm very well, thank you. That was some some intro, to say the least. I'm quite uncomfortable with, called, with being called an expert because I know what Twitter will say about that. <laughs> That's why I did it, because I want to see <laughs> yeah. what Twitter has to say about it all. Well, usually, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not sure listeners of the second tier will be fully familiar with us four all being together. But this is a regular thing, isn't it? Benjamin Bloom, um, what do we usually do each week as a foursome? Yeah, so over on the Planet Sport Network, there's a show called Championship 365, which you can check out. Um, we all have our own sort of championship platforms, but I, I think I speak for everyone thinking that, we, we sort of get together every week and have a chat. And I I, I really like you know, like it as a think tank and getting your views on things that I think I'm sure about and often find myself changing my mind. So you can check that out. And um, if you follow the Football 365 Championship um, Twitter account, um, there's lots of clips and whatnot up there. Absolutely. So if you like the sounds of this, ladies and gentlemen, then make sure you head over to Planet Football and uh, you'll be able to get this weekly. But this is the number one championship specific podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. I thought we'd take the opportunity, because obviously it is an international break, to take stock with where things sit in the championship landscape. Still plenty to play for in these final seven, eight, nine games, depending on who you support, for plenty of teams. But I imagine you'll all agree with me when I say things were looking a bit unpredictable a few weeks ago they've since become a lot more clear but we'll see where everyone sits with various different bits and pieces and how we think the rest of the championship season will go we'll begin at the very top of the table with Fulham who despite their recent wobble I'm not even sure if it is a wobble it's more of a slight shudder if anything they're destined to be in the Premier League next season aren't they I think we can all agree with that we've waxed lyrical about them over the course of the season and they've been great entertainment to watch on the pitch as well I'm interested to know where you all sit though with how they'll do next season back in the top flight Justin Peach we'll start with you um do you think they're returning to the Premier League in better shape than the last two times they've been promoted I think they are. I think they've got a manager in Marco Silva who 
understands the Premier League. He knows how to get results. Um, obviously, for six months of his spell at Watford, he did well. For six months of his spell at Hull, he did well, um, relatively well. And for portions of his Everton spell as well, again, did quite well. And the type of football they've been playing, I think you know, they will have to adapt that. Because I think going in with their attacking, passing approach might not be as successful um, as it is this season in Championship, obviously. But I think with the with the manager um, and the experience that they've got and the, and the, the quality of players that they've still got, um, they only need to make four or five additions for me, not an overhaul like they had done in the last couple of windows going into the Premier League. It literally is just four, four or five players for me to to be able to avoid relegation, not do anything else, just avoid relegation, just being 17th place come the end of next season. That's the thing, isn't it, Ben HD? They've been promoted the last couple of times and decided to sign a whole new squad when they've been back in the Premier League. Um, what do you think they need to bring in then in um, in January to avoid relegation next season? Because they don't need to change too much, do they? Yeah, it's an interesting one with Fulham. I do agree with Justin that I think they are better geared this time around than they have been in years gone by. But I think that we can sometimes underestimate the the actual power in the bottom of the Premier League when the team absolutely smashes the championship as mm-hmm. Fulham have been this season. That that jumping quality is absolutely massive. I think that in terms of additions and things like that, and it's probably how the system actually shifts over, like Justin was saying, to the Premier League. So I think they will have to slightly adapt that a little bit. I think defensively um, is probably where Fulham will need to shape up a little bit more. I think that some of their defensive numbers this season have been more a case of sort of them holding on to the ball a lot of, uh, you know, having the ball in the opposition's third rather than them sort of being backs against the wall and being pressed into those positions that they probably will find themselves in the Premier League. So if they go ahead and sort of address that, I think they're covered in most of those attacking positions, to be honest. It's just a case of if they can make that transition at the other end of the pitch, which they probably sort of failed to do in the past few times they've been in the Premier League. Yeah, Benjamin Bloom, they're going to be losing Fabio Carvalho from the looks of it. So I imagine that's one position that you think will need to be strengthened. Nico Williams, will he still be there next season? He has been linked with a permanent move to Fulham. Um, Anywhere else where you think they need to improve? Do you agree with what Ben HD was mostly saying? Yeah, yeah, I think you've all kind of covered all the bases. And um, I'm glad you've you've kind of um, pivoted from the idea of them being ready, which they kind of felt like they were the last two times. And then you're totally right. They've they've changed the, the entire squad and that excellent Yukanovic team sort of got changed and then the new manager came in. And then, uh, I don't know, I think the Fulham fans didn't ever think Parker's team that went up were really the finished sort of article in the way Yukanovic's team were. In terms of strengthening, obviously we get, um, and look, I'm sure you're sick to death of talking about him, but we get a lot of lazy commentary about um, Mitrovic, who's probably, um, it's quite a boring answer, who's probably a, a middling work-a-day Premier League striker, given the opportunity in a team that was halfway up the table and weren't getting relegated every time and uh, created some chances. It's going to be interesting. I, I want to see Wilson get a good shot at the Premier League. I want to say a good shot with um, with a team with some attacking intent that hasn't ripped it up and sacked the manager by October. I want to see Mitrovic get a chance. You're right about Carvalho. It's a shame they can't get a feed there because that can't be reinvested. I agree with you. Williams will fit in nicely. I think Adrabio is probably um, ready. I agree with Ben HD. Would would they upgrade Ream? I know they they love him, um, but at Premier League level. Um, and I also agree with Justin. I would like to see them 
Um, take a couple of hide-ins, but obviously they're massively attacking this season with 10 in the other half pretty much all game. But I'd like to see them go for it a bit more, Ryan. And, you know, if they lose 15 games, but I think they'd, they'd win a few more doing it that way round. Yeah, it, it, you, you, I thought you were going to make the point on it just then, but you were talking about Mitrovic being a middling Premier League striker, which completely goes against this myth that's been going about that Mitrovic is very good in the Championship, but not very good in the Premier League. The reason he wasn't very good in the Premier League last season is because Scott Parker decided to play even Cavalero as the striker <laughs> instead of Alexander Mitrovic, which just sounds mental in a hindsight. But as long got, as Marco Silva... Got 11 goals, Ryan, in the exactly. relegation exactly. season in 1819. Look, yeah. no, no one's saying he's he's um, Didier Drogba, but he's certainly not terrible. No, yeah. And it's just, it infuriates me when I hear that narrative go about because it's just not true. And as long as Marco Silva decides that even Cavalero isn't a better option up front than Alexander Mitrovic, then uh, Fulham should be all right going forward, shouldn't they? Uh, well, it looks like... Bournemouth will be joining them in the top flight at the time of recording. They've got that horrendous remaining fixture schedule, though, haven't they? After they play Bristol City next, they only have one of their nine remaining games against a side outside of the top half. Um, still got to play Fulham, Sheffield United, Forest. Essentially, everyone's still hoping to be promoted, as a matter of fact. So just a quick word, one word answer from you all. Percentage-wise, how likely is it in your eyes that Bournemouth will be promoted this season? Justin Peach. 60%. Ben HD? Uh, I'm going to say 75%. Benjamin Bloom? 75%, yeah. Okay, okay. I was thinking more 80%, personally. Justin, you, you had win. the... <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Justin, you had the lowest of the percentages then. Why are you still slightly sceptical? I'm just a Parker sceptic now. I, I just, I can't trust... I can't trust Parker to get consistency out of a team... Um, the only time they were consistent was between the start of the season in October, um, or sort of the end of October. Um, and after that, they've been inconsistent. Um, I know they had a good run of games where, where they won four or five on the trot um, earlier this year, um, post-January. But again, performances, some of the performances weren't convincing at all. Um, and they, and again, this this little bad spell they've had in terms of results, overall results, obviously drawing with, with Peterborough and Reading, just didn't look like a side who could fully go the, the the whole distance, if that makes sense. Um the Huddersfield game is did did sway me a little bit, did convince me that they can they can push for the top two. But that Huddersfield result is it's not pointless, but it's irrelevant if they can't build upon it in the next game. And that's why I'm looking at that next game um after the international break. And if they can get a result and play well there, then I will start to I'll start to turn. I'll start to change my mind. Ben HD, you a bit of a Parker skeptic? Yeah, I I do have to admit that I probably am a little bit. I've sort of blown hot and cold on both Bournemouth and Parker throughout the season, really. I think like a lot of people have. I think that my perception with Bournemouth at the moment is I certainly don't think it'll be a flawless run between now and the end of the season, you know, taking into consideration their sort of inconsistencies and the matches that are coming up. So I do agree with Justin in that sense. I just think that they already have enough in the bank to at least match the teams that they're going to be competing with for the rest of the season. I think that realistically... Predicting Bournemouth to get promoted this season is probably more a reflection for me on what they're up against in terms of matching those numbers to get into the top two rather than Bournemouth, you know, completely blowing everyone else out of the water for the rest of the season. So, yeah, that's sort of where I'm standing on them at the moment. Benjamin Blue, say Bournemouth do get promoted. 
how confident would you be of them actually staying up next season? Less confident than Fulham, I think, <laughs> uh, Ryan. Um, yeah, um, but just reflecting on what the other guys said, I, I think, Ryan, I think we're in f- four wins would be 81 points. And then I totally agree with what Ben HD is saying is, who of those other sides is going to score 82 points with three games fewer? You're looking at a bit of a Devon lock from Bournemouth. And as Justin said, if they win the next game, which is at home to Bristol City, 72 points with nine to go and, you know, games in hand, three on some. And I think the key point is they had 40 points after 17 games. And we were saying, look, you do not now have to be very good for the rest of the season. You can be a mid-table team from game 17 and find your way up there. Um, I, in, in answer to specifically your question, I'm I'm not sure. And we all kind of looked at the transfer window as, look, short term, just get up, get over the line, pad that squad out and get it done. So um, I could probably give you a more detailed answer uh, when the September transfer window closes with Bournemouth. But I'd, I'd fancy, fancy Fulham a bit more. But how many times do we see the Sides that go up finish in a completely different order once they're up. Yeah, like this season, Brentford obviously staying up and Norwich and Watford both looking a bit bang average in the Premier League this season. We, me, me and you, Justin, have obviously had our, you know, our, our scepticism about Bournemouth across the course of the season, but they've only lost one more. Sorry. <laughs> I, I said agendas. I thought it'd be funny. I've, I've, I've got a list of clubs that apparently I've been told you have agendas. Um, oh, we, we've got an agenda against every championship side. It's almost like we criticise everyone fairly. Um, but Justin, Bournemouth have only lost one more game than Fulham this season, haven't they? And if you do that across the course of the season, lose so few games, then you're going to be up and around there, aren't you? Well, yeah, absolutely. I think um, I think it just it lends into the the way those 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 wins and draws have, have come about rather than the defeats. Because you look at Fulham, they've blown teams away. They've scored ninety goals, Fulham, whereas whereas Bournemouth have scored fifty nine, just three more than Luton. Which, if you're a team pushing for the top two, you want to be closer to the team above you rather than the team below you. Um, so it's not necessarily the defeats that's the issue. It's how they've won games. It's how they've picked up points. They haven't really convinced because. Championship teams are going to beat everybody. Everyone's going to beat everybody at some point, um, unless you're running, you know, five oh six, and you're just absolute freaks of nature. Um, that's just how the championship goes. Um, so you're going to you're going to get points off teams. It's just performances, and if performances are consistently good, look at Leeds for example under Bielsa in their promotion season. At no point did they falter performance wise. Results dipped around Christmas, but performances were still brilliant. They were still good. They just weren't putting the ball in the back of the net. That was it. Um, and they were still picking up points, whereas Bournemouth, less so. Ben HD, which team is most likely to challenge Bournemouth for automatic promotion, if any team is going to? I think it's really tough at the moment. I think that with the games in hand that Bournemouth have got at this moment, especially, um, I'd love it to be Luton. Um, you know, I saw them against North End um, on that Tuesday night and they absolutely demolished us, to be honest. But I, I, I'm just not sure they've got the power within the squad. Maybe you're looking at a Sheffield United with their resources and things like that. But I think that um, it'll just be a case of consistency, probably catching up with all of those, to be honest, in terms of catching up with Bournemouth. I think it would have to be a massive capitulation from Bournemouth from this point onwards. I really do. Possible with the last remaining games. I think you're you you're absolutely right though, aren't you? you? You're asking for one of those teams who are yeah. chasing the playoffs still to just 
blitz the rest of the league, aren't you, for the rest of the season? And that's a big ask for both parties in this case, isn't it? Let's move on to the playoff race then. One of the things that is still quite wide open to a degree, although I have got my kind of playoff teams sorted now in my head. Um, I'm interested to hear what you guys have to say on my playoffs. I've got it down as Luton, Sheffield United, Forest, and then I'm 50-50 between Huddersfield and Middlesbrough. Just a show of hands, does anyone completely disagree with me there? No one? Okay, there you go. You've all got common sense. Does anyone slightly disagree with me there? Yes. Just impeach. Okay, why is that? Well, I, I don't think Huddersfield are going to drop out. Um, I think they're one of the teams that are going to solidify themselves. Um, I think, from my point of view, Luton will stay up there. Sheffield United will certainly stay up there, again, with their resource, just bought another centre-half, which is bolstering some much-needed positions um, uh, at Bramall Lane. And as I say, Huddersfield, for me, had a little bit of a dip, but they've got the the, the international break to recharge, which I'm sure they will be doing. That 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 final place for me, I think it's it's between the likes of Forest and Middlesbrough because QPR have dropped off and Blackburn have dropped off, and I don't think they've got quite enough to to push on. So, I think those, those three, Luton, Huddersfield, and Sheffield United, are, are not guaranteed, but I would say I'm eighty percent, eighty ninety percent certain that they're going to finish in the in the top six, as opposed to Huddersfield dropping out. Benjamin Bloom, which teams are you more than ninety percent sure are going to finish in the playoffs this season, if there are any? Oh, crikey. Um, obviously, you want um, sensible analysis here, but I need to caveat this by this This is a nightmare this season with these. I mean, Bournemouth's eight points in the last four games has helped us out a little bit because it looks like we're looking from third downwards. Um, if I can... You get fed up of me, Ryan. You ask me a question and I answer a different question. But if I can just <laughs> focus a bit on Nottingham Forest, because strangely, Forest have got the biggest upside of anybody, haven't they, in terms of chasing Bournemouth because of their two games in hand. And we've sort of said about Forrest for the whole season that the margins are so fine with the one point in the first seven games that they essentially are going to have to play like a top three or four side for the remaining 39 games um, in order to get into the playoffs. And they have. Um, so it's just, will Forrest either run out of legs or run out of road? Um, there's a lot of evidence to say that Forrest will, will get in there, won't they? And they're the... They're the one I think that um, you would think will be rising up from now. But, Ryan, we, we discuss this every week and I think we've all changed our mind about five times. I'm far more solid on Luton now than I have been. You know, you sort of think with the with the resources of Luton for most of the season, oh, they're punching, they're doing fantastically. Is there going to be a drop-off? And, and they haven't. I think they've won something stupid like 12 in 18 or 12 in 19 or something uh, mm. crazy like that. So I don't see them see them dropping out. And I do agree with Justin that I think size might matter here in terms of a Sheffield United or a, or a Middlesbrough. Ben HD, anyone you're particularly keen on finishing, on finishing in the playoffs at this point? Yeah, I think of the teams that are currently in there, I'm probably most settled on Luton and Sheffield United. Um, 
Blackburn, I mean, they've been a bit of a weird one, really, because they've been clinging on to that top six place for so long now. And, you know, they've been so average for so long in 2022. But um, it'd be typical of the championship if they managed to turn it around. And, I mean, looking into their fixtures, I think at least five of the remaining matches they've got to play um, are against sides who literally have nothing to play for from this point onwards. But I think that my mind was sort of flipped on that um, after the Reading game, to be honest, before the international break. So I think we're all probably of the opinion that they fall out. And then Huddersfield as well with the last two losses. I think that Huddersfield throughout the season really have been built upon sort of defensive stability and not giving away massive chances to the opposition. So the last two games have come as a little bit of a concern to me because that's sort of gone against what's made Huddersfield so good um, throughout the season really. But in terms of a team getting in there, I'm pretty settled on Forest at the moment. And then to be honest, I do agree with you, Ryan, at the moment. I think that last spot I'm really 50-50 between Huddersfield and Middlesbrough. Interesting. Very interesting. Justin Peach. Can I just add the caveat of Forrest have lost McKenna, Cook and Max Lowe for six weeks, which for a team that plays a back three, that's that they are heavy losses. Heavy, heavy they've, losses. They've already which, pivoted to the back four, Justin, haven't they? Well, yeah. Again, will that disrupt how they've been playing? I know Cooper Possibly. does like to to flick between the two formations, but the, the four at the back does leave them a little bit more exposed, especially when you're wanting to tighten up at the back end of a season. So, Yeah, that's a reasonable caveat, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so you, you're looking at likes of Middlesbrough, maybe even Blackburn and Mill will, will look at that situation and go, there's an opportunity here to be seized. A lot of games for Forest to be played in the next eight weeks as well, uh, six weeks. Lovely gentlemen. Let's have a quick break. After that, we'll continue talking about the playoffs and then move on to who's going down. Welcome back to the second tier podcast. Now, let's have a quick focus on some of the teams who looked like they were looking pretty settled in the playoffs for quite some time. I've just completely folded. One of those is QPR, Justin, who their, their season's just kind of, you know, it's just fallen away so quickly, hasn't it? And now that Chris Willock's injured as well, it's looking very, very bleak, very, very quickly. And what would you say their playoff chances are now? Again, looking at percentage-wise, I'd say around 20-30% because I I don't think they've really convinced this season. An argument we've made for QPR pretty much for the entire campaign is they've never really hit top gear. I think it was just that Reading game in January where you thought, Christ, these, these look the real deal. Everything clicked in that game. At no point... In any other game this season, has everything clicked for QPR? Where you look at the likes of Fulham, Huddersfield, Bournemouth, um, and Luton, there are games where everything clicks more consistently, whereas with QPR it hasn't. Um, the forward line hasn't really been productive or consistent enough. The likes of Austin, Gray, and Dykes, I know their injuries have, haven't helped, but they haven't delivered what they should be delivering um, this season. And they've relied heavily on the likes of Chris Willock, obviously with Elias Chair. They have relied on Elias Chair, but more so Chris Willock because of Elias Chair's absence over um, over his visit to the African Cup of Nations. And then defensively, they don't, they're just, they, again, I don't think they've ever convinced defensively under Mark Warburton um, and less so this season. They concede a lot of high high quality chances, which isn't ideal for a team pushing for the top six, which is why they're more defensive teams or the teams that are better defensively tend to fare better 
pushing for for the top six. So yeah, Huddersfield at QPR, sorry, just about 20, 30%. I, I can't see them getting into playoffs now. Ben HD, I haven't got much hope for Blackburn at this point. But if you're a neutral and don't really follow the championship very much, you probably look at the table and think, yeah, they've still got a fair chance. I don't know what everyone's talking about, but it's just the fact they can't score. They just cannot score for Toffee, can they? And that's why I'm feeling very, very, well, I'm just lacking a lot of hope for them at this point. Are you the same as me? Yeah, I, I do tend to agree with Blackburn, really. Like we were sort of mentioning before, it was, it's was it been weird how they've been able to cling on to that top six place um, for so long now with sort of like the performances that have gone along with that and the lack of goals that have actually come throughout this season as well. Um, I'm not totally sure on what the current update is on Brereton Diaz, whether he's going to be sort of back for the running. Um, no, Ben, he's, yeah, he's going away um, and then the Chilean um, guys are going to look at him and decide yeah. whether he plays or not. And Mowbray doesn't want him to play, but he's definitely going out there. But if he doesn't play the first game, he's going to fly back before the second game. Yeah, so it, it all seems a bit muddled with that, to be honest. Um, if there was going to be maybe a bit of a turn in the momentum, it felt like maybe it could be that Derby match um, after the second half performance in that one. But then obviously they follow up with the Reading game, which sort of puts a dampener on things before the international break. So th- listen, they still have a fairly favourable running compared to everyone else, but... When we take into consideration form and that, that lack of goals, I think it'll probably follow along on a similar path to QPR and they may just fade away to consistency of the other teams. Benjamin, no one's mentioned Millwall yet. <laughs> Only one loss in nine games. Could they have a realistic shot at it? Um, I I don't think so. And um, we've, we've enjoyed their run. The problem I've got is that Millwall are in their peak, or maybe, hopefully not for their sake, maybe have peaked with that winning streak and that clean sheet streak. And you kind of look at it and think, oh, okay, if that was the peak and it took them to within shooting distance of the playoffs, there's, again, such such little margin for error. It, it's, it's just come a little bit too late for Millwall in terms of um, a phobe seems to have... Um, improved and, you know, I know they weren't too happy with him leading the line. And Wallace, we had those issues around January and he's back into the team now. And then Jake Cooper turned back into Jake Cooper 2018 (laughs) and started scoring every other game from a set play. And um, things really, really clicked. Um, It's just hard, Ryan, because they they almost need to go. And they were top of the six-game form table, weren't they? And the eight-game form table going into the weekend. They need to do that again so what we've just seen can't be the peak of their season because they need to literally go again don't get me wrong they'll be an absolute nuisance for a lot of teams in terms of they're very hard to score against but you do just wonder um what Wallace aside can they play badly and win through muscle memory or somebody winning a game for them like a maybe a chair or a Jones or a Brereton Diaz or a Gibbs White or you know, Sorba Thomas or, God, even, I don't know, Luke Berry. Do you know, do you know what I mean? Is there that guy who's going to pop up with, with goals or what have you? So um, that said, um, a lot of these teams, Doff of Cap to Luton, Millwall, Coventry, all in League One in recent memory, I suppose you could say Blackburn as well, all, all punching this season, I think. Justin, this I'm not expecting you to give too much of a detailed answer for because we've still got, you know, eight weeks 
before the playoffs or however many weeks it is. Um, and there's still a long way to go. A lot can change in that time. But when you look at the teams who you think will be in the playoffs in May, who would you say is the favourite to actually win them? Uh, I'd lean towards a Sheffield United because of the quality that they've got. Um, and if they can get players back fit, that's only going to improve them. Um, and, and Paul Heckenbottom's, I mean, he surprised me. It was an underwhelming appointment, as as most internal appointments are. I don't think we thought he was going to have as much of an impact, but he's reverted to type in terms of how that team plays and he's really got the best out of them. Um, and I think they've shown that they can put a run of form together um, and be a very difficult team to break down and be a very difficult team to to, to defend against. So I, I'd, I'd edge towards Sheffield United. If Forrest can get the likes of McKenna and Cook back fit and low uh, as well, um, I would always favour a Steve Cooper side in, in the top six if Forrest were to, to get in there. At the same time, I don't think you can rule out uh, teams like Luton and Huddersfield either. Huddersfield, again, two legs, big ask. Um, can they do it over two legs? And it's the same with Luton. But I'd, I'd, again, I'd favour Luton. But I think Chevrolet and I probably would be my would be my favourites over a three-game run in the playoffs. Ben HD, same question for you. I think I'd tend to agree there, but it is shaping up to be an interesting um, playoff race, really, in terms of the four teams that end up getting in there, because I don't think there's a massive overwhelming favourite like there perhaps has been in recent years. I think that Sheffield United are, dare I say, maybe the best of the rest when it comes to having the overall squad and the, the power in that team and things like that. But I think there's quite a few evenly matched sides. And I would sort of agree with Justin in there that, um, you know, Steve Cooper and Nottingham Forest side could definitely make it quite tricky for you. But over two legs, yeah, I think there's quite a few evenly matched sides in there. Benjamin Bloom, same question for you. Yeah, I, I don't have much to add. I, I, I agree with the boys. Um, every Sheffield United fan would be sitting listening to Justin going, <laughs> but, but, but. We suck at playoffs. So there is, I don't know whether that's an issue, whether that affects Morgan Gibbs White or Sander Berger. He doesn't care about, um, I don't know, the David Hopkin scoring in the 120th minute in 1995 or whatever it was. But yeah, it's, I, I'm not sure whether to agree with Justin, whether we're going down, does star power win you in the playoffs or does a damn good defence does Alan Kirbishley or Sam Allardyce win you? How Kendall win you the playoffs? Do you know what I mean? And sometimes it is just pure durability over two legs, surviving the carnage. Remember um, Gway and Cabango dealing with um, Big Val's Barnsley? And, you know, they Barnsley essentially last year were the exciting up and at them team. And Steve Cooper just went, nope, defence is going to win this tie. Oh, and I've got Andre Ayew up front as well. Do you know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, possibly Sheffield United on star power. But I just looked, best defensive record in there at the moment is Blackburn. Who would have thunk that? Although Forrest below have conceded four fewer. So, I don't know. And then Steve Cooper's been in the last two years and not one. But Steve Cooper, semis, final the season after. <laughs> Good Working point. his way up to win it this season. <laughs> there you go. Make, make sense of that one, ladies and gentlemen. Um, finally, then, we'll look at the relegation battle which was looking like uh just throw a dartboard at uh, throw a dartboard throw a dart <laughs> at uh, <laughs> it would be interesting if you feel the dartboard it threw a dart at uh, the 
four teams that are down there and one of them will stay up. But now, I think in the last two game weeks, it's become a little more clearer with Reading looking like they're firmly in the driving seat at this point. Ben HD, what would it take at this point for Reading not to stay up? I think it would take quite a bit from this point onwards. I think the last time we spoke about this, I wasn't too hot on Reading, to be honest. I, I quite fancied Barnsley with the current run that they've gone and things like that. But I think that the weekend we got before the international break massively tilted things in Reading's favour, really, because I think it gives them a little bit of breathing space heading into that crunch match um, at Oakwell between the two sides after this one. It sort of felt like... Um, had both sides lost last weekend going into that game. Everything was sort of feeding into a Barnsley win in that game. But now I'm not all too sure, really. Um, Peterborough, I think, will continue to be erratic as the season goes on. You know, we saw them with that fantastic win before the international break. But I think that could be another sort of maybe false dawn that we've seen a few of from Peterborough throughout the season so far. And I just look at sort of the home matches that Reading have got left and against the sort of teams who don't have a lot to play for are... I think if they managed to get away with not losing at Oakwell, I, I, I could definitely see them at least matching Barnsley for the rest of the season, which makes it a little bit boring, to be honest. <laughs> Justin Peach, you've been very strong on Reading, staying up for a number of weeks now. If there's one team who would challenge them, who do you reckon it would be? I kind of hate that question because it's so hard because you could say Derby and you could make an argument for Derby. You can you can even start to make an argument for Peterborough after that win against QPR last week. Um, and then you can make an argument for Barnsley as well. So it's such a difficult one to answer. But if I was going to pick a team and, and say I'm more convinced by this team, it would be Barnsley. Um, but then again, they're not very good away from home, which is putting it very politely. Um, and they've got to rely on not dropping any points. They've got to win every game, essentially, to keep the pressure on Reading. Reading, have, Reading can draw all of their games and probably stay up um, and lose a couple in that time as well. So the, the pressure is very much on Barnsley. Um, can they play under that pressure? Obviously, they had that season under Gerhard Struber where they pushed and pushed and pushed and literally until the last kick of the game against Brentford. Um, but I just don't think the beliefs there that was there that season as well as last season as well. They got got them into playoffs. I think everything like that has, has been drained from them this season. So I'd say the closest challenges are, are probably Barnsley. Peterborough, too many points to make up for me and too inconsistent and Derby, just not enough in their squad. Benjamin Bloom, would you agree with that? Yeah. Um, I mean, we've been saying this. I mean, when you compare to that season that Justin's talking about, when we chart and go down with 48 points, I think, that season mm-hmm. and... There was also the Wigan deduction that, uh, you know, that that total would have been even, you know, even higher. If not, of course, Barnsley scored in the last minute in the previous game as well. It's just a ridiculous finish, wasn't it? Um, Reading have just got to play the circumstances. That's all they've got to do now. And (laughs) Ben's right. Don't lose at Barnsley. But you just don't know. Red card after two minutes in that game. Barnsley, Barnsley win. That's what I mean by play the circumstances, you know. Keep it sensible and understand that if you keep a, if you're reading and you keep a clean sheet and yes I know those are words that um, haven't been too friendly um, for reading this season with their defensive record they're, they're such strong favourites um, then in respects of it's snail racing it's a low tide you know we normally what I've got it written forty four point two for twenty second place so forty five and we're going to be nowhere near that because of the points deductions and because of Peter was dreadful away form and. Barnsley were 
terrible pretty much until January, weren't they? So I just feel that Reading, if Reading win two games, they'll have 39 points. Are Barnsley going to score 12 points in their last eight games? Uh, don't, don't, wouldn't, wouldn't have thought so, but <laughs> I'm sure we will all sit here. And as Ben says, it'd be boring if it's not. If, if Barnsley win in the last minute against Reading, we'll all be sat here going, game on, bring it on. Here we go, relegation scrap. But it's in Reading's hands. Play the circumstances. Well, that's it, isn't it? We all know that Barnsley, for as you were alluding to there, Ben, have just been terrible for the vast majority of the season. But Derby, they if they weren't without the points deduction, they'd be lower mid-table, wouldn't they, Ben HD? And that means they are capable of... They're more capable than the other two teams down there of building together a run of form. But do you think it's just maybe a bit too late for them now, considering they've played a game more and they'll have to make up eight points plus the rest of what Reading make up for the rest of the season? Yeah, it did seem at one point like um, it was you know completely back on for Derby. But this recent run of form before the international break, I think, has just hindered them with probably a little bit too much um, to go ahead and make up from this point onwards. Now, I think that once again, like we were mentioning with um, Reading and Barnsley, it'll probably come down to the home matches here because all four of the sides um, rank as the worst four teams in the league for away records and things like that. So I'm not massively confident in any of them turning around, turning it around in those circumstances. So if, if Derby can string together a point or two on the road, win their remaining home matches, then maybe. But I think that, once again, we're relying on a bit of a Reading collapse here more than a um, Derby masterclass and winning all their matches for the rest of the season. Lovely stuff, gentlemen. Lovely stuff, right? Usually we do the news at this point in the show, but we'll do that in Thursday's episode. And instead, we'll just go straight through to this. Hi, Simon Grayson Edge. Yes, it's time for Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight. So I'm going to ask the boys here to name eight of a certain subject. And all they've got to do is work together to name all eight. So, for example, if I were to say name the eight championship sides who have gone, who have had the longest absence from the Premier League. And Ben HD would say Forrest. That's one down. And Benjamin Bloom would say Derby. That's another down. But if Justin were to say Fulham, then he'd be out. So what you need to do, chaps, is give me all eight answers without all of you being eliminated. So since we've got three so-called championship experts, I thought we'd give the guys here a tricky one this week, but it also feels like the ultimate hateful eight question at the same time. Can you name for me the eight players with the most goals in championship history? This is only since the league was rebranded in 2004. So the players who have scored the most goals since then. It's a big question. I'm surprised we haven't done this one before, Justin, actually. Um, Mm. Since I'm talking to you, you can go first. Can you name me one of the eight top goal scorers in championship history? Yeah, I was looking into this just the other day, actually, and I can't remember any names. Yeah, I I can't remember any names. The obvious one is obviously the the championship goat. It's, It's pretty sharp. Absolutely. Broke the record for the most goals scored earlier this season. He's got 128. So he's right at the top of the pile. Ben HD is looking very, very (laughs) focused into the distance. (laughs) Yeah. um, I mean, I'll keep it close to home and go for the Preston legend. That is David Nugent. Absolutely. Was the record holder before losing it to Mr. Sharp. He's got 121. So you've named the top two so far. Benjamin Bloom. Jordan Rhodes. 
Absolutely. Jordan Rhodes is fourth. He's got 116 goals, quite upsetting that only 24 of them have been scored in the last six years. But uh, he is fourth in the list. Justin Peach. I don't know if that makes it easier or harder knowing that Jordan Rhodes is fourth. Because there are a lot of players you think have scored a lot of goals. Um, but I'm going to go with one of the most underrated players. Oh, no, I don't know if I should. Uh, Lewis Graben. I think that's good. Lewis Graben is yeah. fifth. He's got 112 goals, a very consistent goal scorer at this level. So you're halfway through. You've got four remaining. All of you still in. Ben HD. I'm pretty certain that a certain Ross McCormack has to be in there. That's a great shout. Absolutely. Ross McCormack is third. He's got 120 goals for the likes of Leeds, Cardiff, Fulham and, of course, Aston Villa. Um, So you have named the top five. That means you've got the next three. And I thought you might leave these three because this is where it starts to get a bit tricky. You've named the obvious five. Now you're... Uh, this one's a bit more difficult. Who who just went? It was Ben HD wants it. Benjamin Blue. I think it's it. Justin's turn, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, are we allowed to? Are we allowed to confer now? Can I say some names and see what anyone's reactions are? Um, you can We're do not, if you want. Why not? Wiser. I don't care. I'm thinking Chris Martin might be in there. Do, do you guys? Oh, he's played yeah, for a lot thought, of clubs for a long time as well. Yeah, That's Chris not a bad Martin. Shout, Ryan. Chris Martin is sixth. He's yeah. got 106 goals, mostly for Derby. But yeah, he has played for a number of other So that's, Ryan, that that's time. me done. If we now fail, that's down to Justin Peach and Ben HD, yep? <laughs> well, I'll be putting you, my feet up It, it depends what they say, really. Um, Justin Peach, it's your go. You've got two remaining. Oh, God. Dini, Justin, Yukivich. Ooh, yeah, they're, they're, they're two really good shouts. Uh, I... I trying to think what the column said the other day when I was looking at it, and I do think Jukovic's uh, name was up there. Yeah, like I do think he's up there. Yeah, I'm going with uh, I'm going with the Duke. Lukas Jukovic is eighth. He's got <laughs> ninety goals, ninety goals, mostly for 90. Birmingham City. Um, just to give you an idea of how close it is, he's only scored two more than ninth. So it's very tight around this point. Um, so you've got one remaining. I am not at all surprised this is the one you've got left. Can we get any because... kind of clue, please, Ryan? No. Um, <laughs> so you've got one remaining. Lukas Jukovic has 90, mostly for Birmingham. The next one has 93. Mm, I know who it is. Ben HD. You do? Yeah. <sighs> I'm not going to give it away. Don't give away a game. Don't give away the game. 93. You're saying, Ben H. Did did Phillips score enough after 2004, 2005 for West Brom and Palace? Oh, God. What about Glenn Murray as well? He was top scorer. Glenn Murray's a shout. He got 30 as well, didn't he? Spent a lot of time in Premier League, though. He did. Yeah. The name's Glenn Murray, Vidra. I think Deeney had at least three 20 goals seasons in the Championship, I'm sure. With Watford Again. throughout those years when they were trying to get up there. Again, I don't know Deeney. if it is Deeney. I think Deeney might be like 10 something. What about Daryl Murphy as well? Daryl Murphy could I'm be. I'm just thinking of all the top scorers. Mitrovic and Puki will be mm. too low. Tony was only here for one season. I'm going to have to hurry this up, boys. Sorry, I'm, a 50, I'm a 50 50. Um, 
I'll say Deeney because he came to my head first, but I don't think it's right. I'll say Deeney. You know, the player I was just talking about who's ninth and is only two goals behind Lukas Jukovic. It's <laughs> no. Troy Deeney. Oh. <laughs> so, Bed HD is out. That means it's down to Benjamin Bloom and Justin Peach, who thinks he knows it anyway, but uh, we'll wait and see. Uh, Benjamin Bloom, who are you saying? Can you send it to me telepathically or even on the private? <laughs> can you send it in the private chat in the software? No. But no. Um, oh, crikey. Um, Murphy. Daryl Murphy. Lukas Jukovic was eighth. He's got 90 goals. Dal Murphy has got 93 goals. <laughs> so you're absolutely right. Dal Murphy is correct. Just seemed to have that spell at Ipswich where he went mental. 27 in one point. season in 14 15. Wow. Should have been um, yeah. player of the season. Mick McCarthy never let us forget it. That is an Ipswich scarf on my You've got player of the season that season. Oh, God. Um, Pat Bamford. <laughs> Bloody hell. Really? <laughs> Straight up. Yeah. Uh, someone fact check me on that now. They're so shocked. Some, someone Google that quickly. Mental. Championship yeah, player of the year, 14-15. Yeah, I was looking at Murphy because he's seventh in the list, but apart from Ipswich, he doesn't seem to have scored that many. So I think he must have had a, a lot of... He's probably played three, four hundred games. Must have had a lot of seven, eight yeah. goal seasons, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah. And one player who I'm surprised you guys didn't mention, Charlie Austin, is 10th in the list. He's only three behind... Lucas Jukovic. So he's not far off at all. Could still very realistically make that up. Obviously, Dean is still at Birmingham as, as well now. So, yeah, well done, gentlemen. You got there in the end. Justin, I'm guessing Dal Murphy was the one you were going to say. Do you know what? It wasn't. Oh, no. <laughs> Who was it? Who was it? Like, I, I'm sort of thinking back to that list I've got, and I was looking at a different sort of column. I was looking at uh, minutes per goal in goals per game, and Mitrovic was, was like slap bang, like in the middle. So I, would, I was going to go with Mitrovic. So I'm the winner of Simon Grayson's hate. <laughs> yeah? You're not the winner. Football's the winner. <laughs> uh, Alexander Mitrovic had 77 goals. So he's how many off? He's 13 off. If he has another championship season, he'll probably it's be about, top. It's about another five games worth, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> there we go, gentlemen. Thank you for joining us on the show today. This has been the Second Tier Podcast. A quick thank you to our guests this week. Ben HD making his Second Tier debut. Thank you for your time today. It's been a pleasure. Benjamin Bloom, welcome back to the Second Tier. We'll have you on at some point, I'm sure, as well as Ben HD. Thank you for your time today. I'll bring my agendas with me. <laughs> brilliant bring them all this has been the second tier podcast we'll be back again on thursday to preview the next round of championship games and we look forward to seeing you then i've been ryan dilks i've been justin peach thank you for listening deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.